Welcome to the Robert J. Morgan Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you believe and cherish the Bible and to learn and love Christian history and hymnody. I'm producer Joshua Rowe, introducing your host, Robert J. Morgan. Be sure to visit robertjmorgan.com where you'll find Rob's blog posts, podcast feed, bookstore, free resources, and more. If you've not already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review. Now here's your host, Robert J. Morgan. everyone, and welcome to a new year of Bible study on our podcast. The college I attended back in the 1970s had an annual verse of the year, which was introduced every new school year. The school had started this because of a group of praying women, and to this day, 100 years later, there's a group of praying women who meet regularly to pray for the school. It's a 100-year tradition, and these women select the verse every year. It's then posted on a wall of the chapel in large golden letters, at least it was when I was a student, and the school president gives a sermon about it at the beginning of the year, and in various ways this verse is intended to shape our lives for that academic calendar year. Well, in that same way, I'd like to suggest a verse for the year for you and for me in 2024, and it really is 2024. It is Acts 20, 24, and here it is. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Let me ask you a question. How much is life worth? According to scientists, your human body and mine is made up primarily of six elements, oxygen, carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, calcium, and phosphorus. Another 1% of our bodies is made up of trace elements. On the open market, the value of all of the elements in our human body is about $160. According to attorneys, your body is worth just as much as the assets on your balance sheet minus the liabilities and burial expenses when you die. Should a millionaire's body expire, it would be worth $1 million to his heirs. Yet the emotional and relational value to our loved ones is incalculable. Our sorrow when one of us passes away is only mitigated by the assurance found in Christ alone that we'll be reunited forever in the new heavens and the new earth. But what is our value to God? That's the greatest question. The Bible says we are His handiwork, fearfully and wonderfully made. We are composed of body, mind, and soul. We are eternal beings made by the everlasting God. To Him we are worth even the cost of the blood of Jesus Christ, which is priceless beyond measure. Galatians 1.4 says, He gave Himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. Galatians 2.20 says, Christ loved me and gave himself for me. Ephesians 5.2 says, Christ loved me and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to sin. 
Ephesians 5.25 says, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. 1 Timothy 2.6 says, He gave himself as a ransom for all people. Titus 2.14 says, He gave himself to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. He gave himself. He gave himself. He gave himself for us. We are worth all that there is in the heart of the love of Jesus Christ. So we have some idea of our value on the open market to our heirs, to our loved ones, and even to the Lord Jesus. But how do we measure the value of our lives to ourselves? What value do we place on our own lives? How valuable are you to you? The Apostle Paul said that his life, to him, he said, his life was worth nothing. Not one thing, not one penny. He said his life was worth nothing to him unless, unless what? Well, in this verse for 2024, Acts 2024, he said, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Let's take a moment and look at this verse in its context. When we read the book of Acts, we come across several sermons preached by the Apostle Paul. They are all evangelistic sermons designed to win unbelievers to Christ, except for this one in chapter number 20. This is the only recorded Pauline message in the book of Acts that is directed to Christians, and it was given to the leaders of the congregations that made up the church in Ephesus, which Paul had established some years before. So this is a very important sermon in the book of Acts. It is Paul's message to church leaders. He had started this church and he loved the people, but he never expected to be in their vicinity again, so he asked the elders to meet him in Miletus, which was about 30 miles from Ephesus in the year A.D. 56. Here we read this very emotional farewell address to the men and women who were leading the congregations that he had started in Ephesus, and he began in verse 18 of this 20th chapter by reminding them of the type of ministry he had exercised among them in the past. It says, beginning, well, let's start with Acts 20:17. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you, from the first day that I came to the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house." I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And then beginning in verse 22, he gives them an update about his present situation. He said, And now compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. 
And then we come to our key verse, verse 24. However I consider my life worth nothing to me, my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Going on in verse 25, Paul commands his readers and his listeners to be diligent, keeping watch over the flock, being overseers, being shepherds, and watching out for the false teachers who would seek to dilute the sound doctrines of the faith. He said in verse 25 and following, Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he has bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, salvage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I have not stopped warning each of you day and night with tears. And then, his voice no doubt choking and his eyes brimming with tears, he committed them into the keeping and the care of God and of the Scriptures. He said in verse 32, Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions and everything I did. I showed you that by this kind of hard work we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. The closing scene is one of the most tender in all of Scripture. It says in verse 36, When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. And they all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. So that's the context. That's the story and the full view of what we're looking at. Now let's go back to verse 24. He said, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. I particularly like the way the Living Bible says this. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. There are three parts to this verse. You can see it very clearly. First, he says, My life is worth nothing to me unless... Now, that sounds extreme, doesn't it? My life is worth what? Nothing unless. But it does have a biblical ring to it. Paul said something similar in Philippians 3, verses 7 through 9. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. 
What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness in my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. In other words, everything about me is loss unless I am following after Christ. In Matthew 16, 24, Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. In Revelation 12, 11, we're told about the tribulation martyrs. They triumphed by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. The late evangelist Vance Havner had a message that I recall hearing. The title was, Must You Live? It was later printed in one of his books. He said, In the early days of the church, Christians had to make a living, even as you and I. Some of them carved and gilded images for the pagans. They did not worship these images, of course, nor did they bow in their shrines, but they saw no harm in making and polishing images for sale. Their argument sounds familiar today. After all, someone will do it anyway, and I have to live. But Tertullian, one of the giants of that day, answered such an argument with one question, Must you live? Tertullian held that a Christian had only one must. He must be faithful to Jesus Christ, come what may, live or die. Now, Paul was not saying that his life was worthless. He was saying that his life was worthless unless. I recently watched a documentary on how Rolls-Royce cars are made. This is the most expensive brand of car in the world, and Rolls-Royces have been providing cars to the very rich for over 100 years. Every car is basically handmade with an obsession to every detail. I was just astonished as I watched this documentary. One particular Rolls-Royce was sold for $28 million to a man named Sean Corey Carter. You might know him better by his stage name, Jay-Z. His $28 million car is worthless in terms of driving anywhere without a battery, which on a Rolls-Royce may cost $250. Not even J.C. or Beyonce could take that car so much as around the corner without a simple battery. Whether gas or electric, whether cheap or expensive, a car is worthless for driving without a battery. Well, this is what the Apostle Paul was saying. Just as a $25 million car is useless without a simple battery, we, being much more valuable than a car, are useless without a purpose, without doing what God has planned for us to do. A person without a heaven-oriented purpose is as useless as a luxury car without a battery. So the Apostle Paul said, my life is worth nothing to me unless. Now let's go to the second part of the verse. Unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus Christ. This is one of the greatest discoveries that I've ever made in the Scripture. Just as every person is unique, so God has assigned to each one of us our own unique work. I wrote about this in my book, Mastering Life Before It's Too Late. 
I said, whatever your age or stage in life, there's no reason to waste another day, no excuse for squandering a life by failing to finish the mission assigned to us by the Lord Jesus. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Before returning to heaven, he told his disciples he was leaving each one with their assigned work. The Apostle Paul said, Life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned by the Lord Jesus. Paul told the Corinthians, What after all is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants as the Lord has assigned to each one his own task. Colossians chapter 4 verse 17 says, See to it that you complete the work you have received from the Lord. Do you know what success is? It is doing the will of God and doing it with right attitudes and in one day increments as he assigns the work being synchronized with the sacred. That is what the Apostle Paul meant when he said, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. He was saying, I can do everything God assigns me today through him who infuses me with the needed strength. I can be pleasantly productive in fulfilling God's will for my life this day. If we master life in the master's way, the accumulation of our days will produce a legacy planned in heaven and unfolded on earth during the exact span of our lives down to the last hour. Otherwise, if we try to go on our own way, fulfill our own purposes, follow our own plans, we'll spend through our days bewildered by the busyness and brevity of it all. The poet Anna Waring wrote, I love to think that God appoints my portion day by day. Events of life are in his hand, and I would only say, appoint them in thine own good time and in thine own best way. Matthew Henry, the famous commentator, often said, A holy, heavenly life spent in the service of God and in communion with him is the most pleasant, comfortable life that anybody can live in this world. Now, I want you to know that I am not primarily talking about ordained missionaries or ministers. This is for every child of God. We are all God's handiwork, created to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We have only so many years on earth, and every morning we should wake up and say, Dear Lord, what do you want me to do today? So, there you have it. The first two parts of the verse, it says, My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. But now there is a final part to the verse, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. When I was on a preaching trip to Salem, Oregon, a friend told me about a man named Matt Masira, who was part of a gang in high school. There were a lot of drug deals and fights and violence going on in his life. About 2004, his twin brother shot himself, and that put Matt on a trajectory of really going off the rails. He went dark and disappeared. He overdosed in 2014, and as he thought he was dying, he said, God, if you let me survive this, I'll follow you with everything that I am. And he did survive. And he did start following Christ, and he started coming to this church, Salem Heights Church, and to the addiction group they had. Matt's ex-wife was from an Asian country, 
And Matt had a burden for this country. He wanted to go there and share Christ. He knew that if you used drugs in this country the way that he had used drugs in America, they would catch you and put you in prison the first time and execute you the second time. Anyone who was caught dealing in drugs was executed. And so Matt organized a mission trip, got some other people to go along, and they did street ministry and also went to schools and prisons and jails sharing Christ. In one prison, Matt shared Christ, and people started coming to the Lord. One of the guards, hearing Matt's testimony, also asked Christ to be his Savior and said to him, Now I need you to come with me. I have another cell block that I want you to visit. The guard led him to another area where they had 32 men all together in one cell. The guard said, Share with these men what you shared with me. So Matt shared his testimony again and the good news, told them about Jesus Christ who died and rose again to forgive us of our sins and to give us eternal life. And to Matt's amazement, all 32 men received Christ right then and there. There was weeping and joy and an extraordinary amount of emotion in that jail cell. After the guard led Matt away, the guard said to him, All of those men are going to die tomorrow. They are all drug dealers and from the cartel, and they know they're all going to be executed tomorrow morning. Not many of us will stand in an Asian prison to share Christ on the last day of prisoners' lives. But in this new year of 2024, the Lord will give you opportunities to accomplish His work as you share the gospel of Christ and as I do, as we put Him first and hold high the Bible and lift up the cross and tell everybody about our Lord Jesus who has been so good to us. So let's take Acts 20, 24 as our verse for this year. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me unless I finish the work that God has given me to do, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Well, thank you for beginning another year with this podcast. I hope that you will share it with other people, let them know about it so that with more and more people, we can dig into the riches of the Bible together week by week. And remember to check out my website, robertjmorgan.com. This episode was produced by Joshua Rowe and the marketing company Clearly Media and by MP Seminars, which for three decades has been training pastors, scholars, and Bible students in the use of Logos biblical software. Audio engineering and production is by Jared Brummett. Editorial supervision is by Sherry Anderson, and Luke Tyler takes each of these episodes, condenses them, adds a helpful opening outline, and posts them as blogs on my website, robertjmorgan.com, where you can find many other resources. Music is by Jordan Davis. Thank you for tuning in, and may God be with you until we meet again.